Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause. I hope that you're doing well, staying happy, healthy, and safe. Today, we'll be spending some time talking about a new series on Prime Video that reunites one of Canada's favorite comedy troops. That song, by the shadowy men on a shadowy planet, should put you in the mind of the chicken lady, Buddy Cole, office mates Kathy and Kathy, and of course, the head crusher. You're boring me. I'm cutting your head. I'm cutting your head. From 1989 to 1995, the kids in the hall, that's comedians Dave Foley, Bruce McCulloch, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson, bounced around the dial with their eponymously named television show, bringing with them subversive comedy and loads of laughs. These days, there's a Kids in the Hall renaissance of a sort happening. A biography by Paul Myers titled The Kids in the Hall, One Dumb Guy is available wherever you buy fine books. A two-part documentary called The Kids in the Hall, Comedy Punks will feature archival footage from the quintet's earliest years, behind-the-scenes clips from their sketch series, and in-depth interviews that will be on soon on Prime Video. But most excitingly, the kids are back together in front of a camera for a new eight-episode series on Amazon Prime, executive produced by Lauren Michaels. The revival is set to broadcast on May 13th, 2022. I spoke with Kids in the Hall co-founder Dave Foley about their past and their future. Congratulations on the new series. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very, very pleased with it. Yeah. Now, when you get back together after having spent some time apart with the other kids, is the chemistry there right away or do you have to kind of get to know one another again? It's uh, the chemistry is there instantaneously for good and for bad. It's <laughs> it's. Uh, you know the, the same the the same uh, volatile compounds uh, come into being, and uh, and the same fun. So yeah, we meet. We yeah, we pretty much whenever we whenever the five of us get together, we we turn back into the kids in the hall yeah. pretty instantaneously. Do you yeah. think that that volatility is part of the success of the kids in the hall and just sparking one another and pushing one another all the way along over all these years? I well, it definitely gets. For us, it has been. I mean, um, I don't think. I mean, it's it's that the fact that we've managed to, you know, at, at, at our age, to still be, we still actually have passion about comedy. Yeah. You know, and we still get, we can still get really angry about about bad ideas. <laughs> you know, and uh, and and you, you know, and you want to avoid. Uh, you know, you want you. Try, like trying trying to get things through the filter of the other the other four guys is still uh i think a valuable um aspect of what the troop is and do you think that that filter has changed over the years or that they've been fine tuned over the years to be something different than they would have been in the early days um i don't know not really i mean i think i know bruce keeps going on about on and on about how we're much nicer now and uh <laughs> And I don't know what he's talking about. Um, other than that, I think he, I think he's laboring under the misapprehension that he's nicer, uh, and he's not. He's not at all. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it, it's as I said. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't think we we don't come close to blows anymore. Mm. You know, you know. I think the most. I mean, 
you know, I, I, you know, and Scott, Scott hasn't broken any office furniture on this go round. So we're, I think, I think in that regard, yeah, we've toned it down a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, the, the, the nicer, the nicer kids in the hall on some level, yeah. but, but we'll yeah. see, you know, things, sure. you know, sure. things can yeah, still short happen. of homicidal. That's our, that's our, that's our view of nice. <laughs> as long as we stay short of homicidal. Now, I remember going to see the shows at the Rivoli on Queen Street years ago uh, when you first started oh. out. And the they were so exciting because you never really knew what was going to happen. Every show felt different. Every show felt, uh, I know they weren't off the cuff, but it kind of felt that way uh, in the audience. Yeah. Did it feel that well, way? I mean, how did it feel to you? Well, they were off the cuff to the extent that we, to the extent that we didn't fully know the material. Uh <laughs> you know, because we, because in those shows, we, yeah, because we, we, we set a mandate for ourselves of doing all, like all new material every Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and we would start writing it Friday and have to put the show up Monday night. So we didn't really know any of it, <laughs> you know, and none of it was, and nothing was written down. So it was all just like, we, you know, in our heads. And, uh, and even like our, I, my, my brother Michael and Al Miller, uh, uh, we're doing our, our tech at the back of the room, they would have, you know, they'd be teching the show without ever seeing any of the sketches. <laughs> you know, they don't, we'd give them, well, this is how the sketch starts. This is how it ends. And we need a lighting change when someone says this. And that's all they, that's all they had to go on. Um, and then you kind of so cross yeah, your fingers as it works out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we, you know, we'd usually manage to fake our way through and, you know, and, uh, and get the sketches out there. But yeah, so the, yeah, those, those shows were definitely, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess I can only remember them from being on stage during them. Yeah. Uh, but we, yeah, there's definitely a, a sense of, uh, you know, we're just we're just going to do the best we can to, to to remember everything we wanted to do. You're listening to Dave Foley on the Richard Krause Show. The new eight-part Kids in the Hall series debuts May 13th on Prime Video. <laughs> Well, I, I found uh, watching the show at the Danforth Music Hall, which would have been like 2015 or 2016, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was there for, uh, I think you did a couple of nights. I was there for one of the nights. And yeah. those shows were so much fun. And and the audience, obviously, much bigger than you would cram into the Rivoli or something like that. Is yeah. there a, a sense when you're doing a, a smaller show, like at the Rivoli, or maybe even in a television studio with an audience, the intimacy, does that make a difference to the performance level? Or is it the same show, regardless of how many people are watching? Uh, I'd say by and large, it's the same show. Because... Uh, you know, because in a, in a very real sense, we're still, whether it's like at the Danforth Musical Arena or at the Rivoli, we're still performing for each other more than anyone else. Right. You know, so it's like you're trying, you know, you're trying to make sure you're, uh, you know, both competing with the other guys and pleasing the other guys. And uh, so it's, it's, it's very kind of insular in a way. And, and also, and also I think, uh, you know, I guess probably everyone feels this way about their audience, but I think no matter how big the room is, I think we feel a certain intimacy with the, the, the people that come to see us. Mm. I mean, we feel like uh, we feel a, a community with them um, over all these years. So it never, and no, so it's never, and we never feel like 
we never feel like we're putting up any walls between us and the audience, right. you know, or like we're trying to present ourselves as anything other than just, you know, kind of exactly what we are. Uh, you say that you're often performing for one another. Is there something over uh, all these years across the decades now that you've been performing uh, with the other kids that one of them will do that will still make you laugh or take you by surprise? Uh, well, all of them can make me laugh at, at any given moment. And I mean, I laugh more. I say when I'm, when I'm with the, the other kids in the hall, uh, I, I, I laugh more and I laugh harder than I do any other at any other time in my life. Yeah. And, you know, which is what makes the whole thing bearable. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and with the new show, uh, now I don't know all the details. Is there a live audience? Uh, no, there isn't. Uh, the, this stuff is all being done, uh, as sort of single camera style. Um, part, I mean, partially as a, you know, as a, as a COVID necessity, right? Um, but also, it was something we were we were discussing doing anyway. Uh, just uh, so I don't know. Maybe I mean, if we do more of these, maybe we'll have a live audience in the future. I don't know. But part of it was it just felt like, uh, you know, even towards the end of the, the Kids and All show, we were we were all digging in more to filming pieces than to the live the live uh, studio stuff, right? So I think it was, it felt like a progression from there. Yeah. Those live studio shows were fun though, to go to them. I went to a couple of yeah. the tapings and they were super fun to be at people dancing yeah. beforehand. I remember really loud music. And, and I mean, by the yeah. time the show actually started, you had already had like the best night you were going to have that week. <laughs> and then yeah. it was going to get better with the show. I know we had a, that's the problem. People kept filtering out as soon as the show started. Uh, the, the, yeah, well, it was, yeah, those, those nights were amazing. It was, you know, the shadowy men, yeah. you know, playing in live in studio and, uh, you know, and yeah, and, and we did our best to run those shows as live events, you know, like we never, we never kept the audience sitting around for an hour while we changed clothes right. and we, and we never did retakes of anything really in front of the audience. Yeah. yeah. Like, unless something really screwed up, we would never stop. We would never stop the, the sketch and start again, and we wouldn't shoot. We 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 wouldn't shoot extra coverage in front of the audience. So we, now, you know, we we're very committed. We are committed to making the the experience for the audience a really fun one. Well, and I think it 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 is reflected in those shows. They feel frenetic. They feel fun. They feel uh, they felt different. I mean, they just felt different yeah. than other things that were on at the time. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we were we were very on guard against boredom, both for the audience and for us. Yeah, you know, like I mean, I, I think we had an experience when we were shooting the pilot where we, I mean, the first we did two performances for our HBO special, and and that's when we allowed we allowed ourselves to become sort of polite and uh, <laughs> respectful respectful of the machinery around us, right. And uh, and we gave a very lackluster performance, which Lauren Michaels very quickly called us on. And and then the second show, we stopped being polite, and you know we stopped you know we stopped listening to our floor director, and you know started running started as I said running out in front of the audience in our costumes and dancing before sketches. And I said, "No, oh, you'll spoil the surprise." And we said, "No, there's no surprise. There's no you know you know you'll, you'll ruin the the illusion." Um, 
and and I guess ruining the illusion was kind of what we've always been about. <laughs> this new show is also produced by Lauren Michaels. Uh, tell yes. me about working with him again. I mean, this you know he is when you think of his impact on comedy in the last forty years or more now probably. Uh, it's yeah. remarkable. It's remarkable. And yet when you meet him from my take, anyway, the one time I met him, the least funny guy in the room. <laughs> Lord, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to know his sense of humor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he has a very dry sense of humor and, and he can, he can certainly make you shrink inside yourself, yeah. you know, um, uh, with, with his, uh, dry wit. Mm -hmm. uh and he but uh it's great i mean i'm mean, for us it's, it's kind of important because uh i mean we started talking about doing this around the 30th anniversary of the of the, the launch of the tv show mm -hmm. and of course we're the kids in the hall so it we 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 screwed up the times the the scheduling <laughs> um so we didn't get to it until about our 33rd anniversary um and uh you know and we we're only in show business because you know, Lauren uh, let us in and we're only still a troop because Lauren insisted on it. Uh, you know, back in, uh, back in the mid eighties when, you know, Lauren was kind of starting, I guess he was launching his uh, second or third chapter of his career uh, when he came back to Saturday Night Live and he scouted us for Saturday Night Live. And if he had decided to break us up, we would have broke up, right. you know, but it was Lauren who said, and I don't want to take these guys to Saturday Night Live. I want to give them their own show. You know, and that was totally his call. We were waiting, we were waiting around to find out who was, you know, who was going <laughs> to make the cut, you know. And that must have been a mind blower, though, that phone call or fax or whatever it would be that said, I want all yeah. of them. And I want to give them their own show. Just tell me what that yeah. was like. It felt great. I mean, it felt like, I mean, I mean, because for us, I mean, we 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 had we I mean, we had the opinion of ourselves that we were the the greatest sketch comedy troupe in the world was the way we felt about ourselves at the time. You know, we had no doubts about it. Um, and so when someone like Lauren Michaels agreed with us <laughs> that, that, that there was something, you know, to something too good about this to break it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was pretty gratifying, you know, because and, you know, and again, he was somebody that we all grew up admiring. So, uh, it, you know, it felt great. And, 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 and he put his weight behind us for years and, you know, he kept, you know, he kept us on HBO when, uh, you know, the, the president of HBO kept wanting to cancel us. And then uh, when finally HBO did cancel us, he, he got, he managed to talk CBS into keeping us going. Uh, so, you know, he kept us going for those five years, you know? So, uh, you know, there wouldn't be anything. I mean, there wouldn't be a kids in the hall without Lauren. Right. Was Saturday Night Live a big influence on you? Um, it, it was an influence. I'm, on I'm me. sensing some hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember because part of it was when I when Saturday Night Live went on the air. I was living in Creemore, Ontario, right. and we only got two TV channels, so I would I, read about. I, read about saturday night live for years before i grew I saw up it. in a little town in nova scotia called liverpool nova scotia and we oh, didn't yeah. get it for the first little while and then eventually when we did get cable what they did is they recorded 
the American news feed uh, in Bangor, Maine, and they sent the tapes to the first stop in Nova Scotia and they would play them. So they're a day late. And then they yeah. go to the next town and the next town. By the time we got them, they were two weeks late. We were watching two week old news broadcasts, two week old Saturday Night Lives, and all that kind of thing. Oh, wow. But I used to stay up and watch them. And I was quite young, but I do remember that if the person at the cable station got bored and just stopped taping because it was late at night, sometimes the show would just stop in the middle of the show. And that was it. <laughs> you weren't going to get any more. But uh, like you, I read about it more than actually saw it in the early days. Yeah, because I was a, an avid reader of TV Guide as a child, you know, <laughs> and uh, so I read about the show, and, and so I didn't really see it till it was a few, like after the Chevy Chase years. You're listening to Dave Foley on the Richard Krause Show. The new Kids in the Hall series debuts on Prime Video on May 13th. And it was definitely an influence in terms of uh, the energy of it and sort of the, you know, that feeling of, you know, uh, the anarchy of it. And, and you know, and that feeling that it was outside of what was uh, permitted on television, the whole, right. you know, not ready for prime time yeah. attitude. Um, so definitely that influenced us. Yeah. And you talk about uh, no audience in the studio uh, for this show because of the pandemic. Will there be pandemic related skits or sketches on this show because it, it dates it right or is it yeah. or other reasons i don't yeah i don't think there's, any, there, there's not really anything about the pandemic really uh except i mean i i think there's sketches that have uh, underlying them is in i think influenced by being written during the pandemic right uh so maybe there's thematically stuff that relates to it but definitely nothing specific because you know when as i said we've always steered as far away from being topical as possible mm -hmm. you know even you know in the old shows we never you know we certainly never did anything about current events i mean the kind of stuff sort of things that we think of as kids in the hall material um are much more just about you know human beings than 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 uh current events and what can people expect from the new series? Will some of the old characters return? Uh, I assume there'll be new characters. Yeah. But it's a mix <laughs> and match, I'm guessing. There's some, there, yeah, there are some some old characters come back. Uh, probably not the ones, probably in some ways, probably not the ones people would expect um, or in the way you would expect them. Mm. Uh, we definitely, as is our usual way of doing things, we've not, we've not, uh, dug out the most commercial characters from the past. <laughs> uh, we've just basically, we basically, it's just whoever had, er, an old character would show up if somebody had a good sketch idea for them. Right. You know, and that's about it. Uh, we, the same thing is like, even in, um, in the original show, I think the only, like, Head Crusher is probably our biggest hit thing. I think we only did like one a year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's funny because in my head, that is such a big part of that whole thing. But I guess yeah. maybe There's it's because everyone everyone imitated yeah. the head crusher yeah. for years around me. Yeah, but we only did like we only did a handful of them, you know, yeah. and, it's, you know, and the other is like Buddy Cole was one of our most popular things. But again, there's only really there was only really a handful of Buddy Cole sketches uh, over the five years. And, uh, you know, some of our most popular stuff, there was only one of them, yeah. you know, like I get the thing I get people talk to me about most often is I think the bad doctor sketch or the sarcastic guy. Right. And both of those were one offs. 
And did you not have a, a, a sense that, oh man, we should exploit that. We should print up t-shirts. We should do more sketches. We should. Oh yeah. Well, we print, we print plenty of t-shirts when we're on tour. There's tons right. of, yeah. But yeah, there's, you know, there's definitely, you can get your Simon and Hecubus t-shirts. Yeah. And, and again, only a handful of sketches. Yeah. I mean, maybe four, maybe four or five Simon Hecubus sketches over five years. You're listening to Dave Foley on The Richard Krause Show, his new series with The Kids in the Hall, aptly titled The Kids in the Hall, uh, debuts on Prime Video on May 13th. When the show was first announced, then there was a big gap because the, the pandemic hit. What happened during that uh, that gap? Were you guys Zooming and writing or uh, what, what goes uh, on yeah. when you have a project that's sitting there, you're aching to do it, and yet you've got to wait another year? Well, it was, um, yeah, because we were in the middle of writing, actually a little past the middle of writing uh, the show, and we had we'd already had like we had eight, at least eight episodes worth of material, probably double that really yeah. in March of, of a year, a year ago, March. And, uh, and I know I, as I, said, I flew home for a weekend that turned into over a year mm-hmm. um, back home. And so I was writing with the guys over zoom and doing meetings over zoom. And uh, you know, we sort of finished off the writing and, uh, and then just sort of took a break Although we, although we never really took a break because we kept talking to each other about the right. show all the way through it, and never, you know, and, and over that time, everyone had time to come up with other, you know, other ideas and new things they wanted to try, and um, you know, and, and Amazon had time to get afraid of material, uh, so there was, you know, so a lot of things happened over a year. Well, it's uh, so it's so interesting to me. Uh, that when this show was announced, uh, everyone that I talked to was so excited about seeing all of you back together again, having new material. Paul Meyer's book on you uh, came out in and around the same time. There's a documentary coming. This whole kind of kids in the hall renaissance must feel really good. It does. It also feels like, oh, it must be almost time to die. (laughs) You know, why else, why else would there be all this interest? Um, uh, to quote Chief Dan George, uh, it's a good day to die. Um, uh, but uh, it, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I guess it's, um, you know, I'm trying to think about how, how to phrase it. I mean, I think there's a lot of people our age out there uh, who, who, uh, I guess we're a touchstone for their youth as well. You know, the way say we were same way we are for each other, you know, it's like, it's just weird. Like, like we're all old men, but whenever we're together, we immediately feel like we're still like young punks, you know, like we're these, these upstarts in their twenties, you know, and we still feel like we're out there to, you know, we're there to upset the, upset the squares, you know, (laughs) Well, I hope you continue to upset the squares with the Amazon show. And I hope uh, so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. do you do you care about like reviews and notes and all that kind of stuff, or do you even look at them? Um, well, definitely don't care about notes. You have to look at them. <laughs> You're contractually obligated to look at them. I I I think I've uh, I'm trying to think of a time that I've ever received a constructive note from any, you know, yeah. any any uh anybody that was airing our stuff. Yeah. Anyone wearing um, a suit. 
but uh, reviews, um, it's hard to say. If we, I mean, yeah, there's sometimes you read a review. Sometimes you read a review and you go, oh, that's pretty smart. Right. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, but for, for the most part, it's not very productive. That was Dave Foley on the Richard Krause Show. As the co-founder of The Kids in the Hall, he'll be back with the other guys in an eight-episode run of all-new material. The Kids in the Hall, May 13th on Prime Video. If you remember the original series, and who doesn't? Everybody loved it. One of the things that made it great, other than the characters and the comedy and the performances, was the music. That was provided by an instrumental band called Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. I sat down with Don Pyle, drummer of the band, who returns to provide the soundtrack for the new series on Prime Video, to talk about how the kids in the hall and the Shadowy Men became so interwoven. The Shadowy Men started pretty much like the same day Kids in the Hall started. Uh, so it kind of worked well with us, like doing stuff together. Like, you know, we were just beginning, they were just beginning and, uh, we were just friends, like doing things together. Uh, also Reed, our, uh, bass player, uh, he was, he went to school for theater tech. And so he started being their live tech. So mm-hmm. he was like the person who was like running the sound and doing the sound effects and that for like their very earliest shows, like. I remember going to see them at a residency at um, poor Alex theater where Reed was doing sound and Reed was like, you know, at that point, just like, I've had enough of doing this. It's like, <laughs> it's uh, sort of like closer and closer to showtime. They would like give him their needs. You know, it, when they started, it would be like a week in advance. And then it was like, you know, an hour before I'd run into Reed out on the street and he'd be running down the street with a 45 of like riders on the storm that, you know, someone had requested at the last minute. So, uh, you know, those earliest shows when they like literally had like three, four people coming to the shows. So we were doing things with them like very early on, like Bruce um, uh, did uh, a set with us as Trauma, a character that he was doing that was sort of like Cabbage Head, sort of like a predecessor to the Cabbage Head character. Um, Kevin uh, did a magic act with us uh once kevin the impossibleist uh <laughs> a magician who didn't know any magic um scott as uh buddy sang with us uh a couple of times so it was really you know an organic uh thing of uh friends doing things together you know we did music they did theater you know we worked well together so um yeah you know we did the theater run with them there that resulted in uh lauren michaels coming up and seeing them and uh you know offering them uh, a special which became a series and so on and so on well isn't it true that lauren michaels said that your music sounded like cheap porno music and he wasn't all that excited about it not to our face but uh uh we uh, we did hear that from a couple of people and, um, you know, kind of in typical sort of way, you know, Lauren was doing, of course, Saturday Night Live and, you know, the, the saxophone was a very prominent in- instrument and like every show's theme music and incidental music. So um, I don't know for him, I, he didn't really understand the uh, sort of like connection that we had and kind of like sort of really similar sort of sensibility, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of like, you know, Mad Magazine and the Bob Newhart show and, 
you know, all those things. So, um, yeah, he did say that. And, but, uh, when we met him, the first time we met him, he came up for one of the tapings and, um, we just happened to be walking across the parking lot as the same, the same time as, uh, the director John Blanchard was, and they were coming back from dinner and, uh, he was introduced to us and said, uh, like, you know, as he shook our hands, you'll find this show makes you more popular. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he uh, he didn't try too hard to get us off the show, but uh, he definitely tried to talk them into something else. And what were those live tapings like? I remember them as uh, in the beginning, before the, the show, the taping would start, and the yep. music and people were dancing. And it was just, uh, I went to a few of them and they were so much fun. What were they like for you? Yeah, they were amazing. Like, you know, it's really interesting, like, you know, kind of stepping back into the show and... Um, sort of experiencing kind of how things have changed in the what is it 30 years I don't know how long ago that show was that we were working on it because it was like you know things were definitely a lot looser there was a very sort of like communal feel everyone loved working on the show everyone who was like on the crew like you know people were having a great time there was a real kind of um um, you know, mixing of, of everybody, you know, the kids and, and everybody worked on the show. It didn't seem like there was any sort of like hierarchies mm -hmm. or um, issues. And it was just a lot of fun. Right now, I'm speaking with Don Pyle, who was the drummer of Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. They, of course, provided the soundtrack to the original show. They're back for the new show, providing that unique sound that is so ingrained in the heads of Kids in the Hall fans. In this segment, Don Pyle talks about having the best seat in the house to watch the Kids in the Hall. Like, you know, we're playing to this audience but also sort of at a remove, you know, because we're sort of off to the side yeah. and people are turning to watch us a bit, but, you know, they can't ignore us if they do because we're just like too loud. <laughs> um, and uh, like we had like three different setups when we worked there. Uh, tapings. The very first season uh, we built like a set for ourselves with like a big, like, clam half shell so we like you know did a sort of you know botticelli sort yeah, of yeah, uh, venus de milo you know, kind of thing yeah 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 where, where we reclined nude you know <laughs> um uh and then uh we got moved someplace else and then eventually they built up th this crazy platform that was like ridiculously tall but just like you know allowed for the uh, sets to be built because there were so many sets and you know, they would build multiple sets and it was kind of like a puzzle, like moving things around in between um, uh, scenes to like snap the next shot. So it was uh, a great observation place to watch not only the audience, because, you know, that's really interesting too, just like watching the audience, watching comedy and kind of like seeing like what's, what's going to fly, what are people responding to? And and just like, you know, it's just fun seeing people like cracking up so much. Um, but also like seeing the show where we like literally saw every single thing that they wrote, you know, including the stuff that didn't make it to air. And, uh, you know, seeing, I don't know, kind of like the inception of comedy, which is such a weird thing in itself. Like, you know, whether stuff is funny or not and 
seeing them do these things that they'd you know previously only done as like reads or rehearsals together right. and then you do it in front of an audience and it's like oh shit like <laughs> that didn't work at all um so like you know observing kind of like the mechanisms of all that happening was really really fascinating and it was a lot of fun and we would tape in like blocks of like four where we would do like a wednesday two shows on wednesday two shows on Saturday, and then the following week, same thing again, two shows Wednesday, two shows Saturday. So after the last show on Saturday, it was, you know, usually kind of like a party on the set, you know, someone would pull out a big garbage can filled with ice and beer and everyone would have fun. And then, you know, um, and also I got to say like being in those CBC buildings, like one of the great things about working on the show was like getting a tour of like all these amazing old CBC studios that are like, you know, we're sprinkled up throughout the city. Yeah. So, you know, we were taping in the Mutual Street studio, which um, uh, they were sort of alternating with Tommy Hunter. So, you know, of course, Tommy Hunter is just like, you know, built into our DNA, yeah. all of us having been born in Canada. So like, you know, being in the basement and seeing like the sets for Tommy Hunter and, and, you know, all of that, recognizing all of that stuff and kind of like feeling like, you know, hey, we're like, kind of like part of this sort of like CBC, you know, early CBC sort of lore, you know, mm -hmm. when, when the CBC, I think, was a little more loved by the, the general public, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, all, you know, all these studios throughout the city, like uh, we recorded uh, stuff at uh, the studio that was at Young and Summerhill. Mm. And at that studio, uh, there was also like a small kind of TV studio that was like Mr. Dress Ups. You're listening to Don Pyle on The Richard Krause Show. The new Kids in the Hall series begins May 13th on Prime Video. To be there and like, you know, get our picture taken at the tree and, you know, the tickle trunk and have people like show us like, you know, this, it was like totally like going to like Buckingham Palace and right. someone showing you, you know, the Queen's Jewels where they opened this, <laughs> this display case and show us like, you know, the paper cow that jumped over the moon. And, and uh, so it was, um, not just the tapings, the whole experience was, was really great, you know, you know, from beginning to end, it was, it was all really good. It was a pretty magic time, you know, um, we all, you know, definitely were aware that this was like some kind of like golden moment happening that, you know, happens pretty rarely and just sort of like everything was like coming together. It was, uh, you know, it was a job, but it didn't feel like a job. It was one of those things that was just like, you know, look what our friends are doing. This is really cool. It was also really cool to see that happen, like see them like grow from, you know, this, you know, like I said about those poor Alex shows into, you know, being around them in public and seeing people like freak out about, you know, them just, that weird thing, you know, of someone becoming a public figure, you know? Yeah. Well, and now it's, it's 30 years later, uh, you're working with them again. Tell me the experience of, uh, making these new shows. There's no live audience from what I understand. Yeah. Are, are you, are you, were you on the set? Were you, was there any, no, of that uh, we, we were on the set the last day of, of their taping. Right. So it was, totally different you know partly covid partly just kind of like you know kind of regimented now you know there's like much more sort of like infrastructure and everything else so um 
working on the show was definitely like there wasn't any of that experience. There was no camaraderie with with like any of the crew or anybody. It's kind of like, you know, you get an email telling you when a nurse is going to show up at your door for a COVID test. You know, that was kind of like the correspondence that we'd get and just lots of, you know, back and forth working out details and stuff like that. So um, a lot of our relationship on this series has been with Craig Northey, who's doing the, uh, who's like the, the music director of the show. So, um, you know, lots of communicating with him and, um, you know, sort of a gentle way to come out of COVID isolation because we knew it was sort of coming. So we uh, were all working independently on, we're on making music for the show. And then even for us, like, you know, just like not even getting together in a year and a half working on the show was a, the first time that we played together in a year and a half and and doing things very differently for us which was like you know sending audio files of completed pieces of music to each other um you know I, something you couldn't have even fathomed yeah. 30 years ago you know uh, so it was it was not the same experience it didn't feel like working on the show i mean like we're so connected to them and so much a part of kind of like that whole thing that you know, it felt very sort of like comfortable and easy to sort of step back into that relationship. But um, it was pretty like removed from their experience. Mm -hmm. But when uh, the when we went to set to do uh, to shoot the opening credits on the last day was like the first time that we'd seen all of them together. And, um, you know, even that was just great because everybody was like glowing and happy and really, really like expressing how excited they were about how everything had turned out. That was Don Pyle of the Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet on the Richard Krause Show. Here his handiwork on the new Kids in the Hall eight episode series coming to Prime Video on May 13th. Big thanks to Don and Dave Foley for stopping by. Of course, my biggest thanks as always goes to you for listening. I'm Richard Krause. Stay happy, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weird, and we'll talk again soon.